Death by Comparison A couple weeks ago, I was checking my six-year-old daughter Claire's homework. She had completed a take-home math worksheet, and there were a couple mistakes. Her math was correct, but she'd skipped a few steps. I had Claire go back through the instructions and read them aloud to see if she could find her mistakes. Claire is in first grade, and she has to work at reading. It's not easy for her. So on that day, she was reading through the instructions, sounding out the words, and following along with her finger until she reached the word number. She got stuck and kept pronouncing the letter B as a D. This is a pretty common childhood reading error, and Claire has struggled with it. It is something we have drilled for the last couple years, having Claire regularly write a series of B's and D's. I even found a little saying that says B has a belly and D wears a diaper to help differentiate between the letter that faces forward and the letter that points back. Still, Claire really has to focus to determine which letter is which. When Claire stumbled over the word number, I had her reread it until she succeeded. After she got it right, I said something along the lines of us needing to keep working on our B's and D's to get them right. When I did, Claire began to cry. I didn't think I had spoken harshly, but little ears have a way of hearing their fears. I asked her what was wrong. And she exclaimed, Everyone in my class knows their B's and D's but me. I picked Claire up from her seat, sat her on my lap, and hugged her. I rubbed her back and calmed her down so we could talk. I told her it was okay. I told her we all learn things at different paces. I assured Claire it didn't matter how long it would take her to get comfortable with her B's and D's. The goal is simply to learn them, so she can have the tools to read everything and learn anything. I shared with Claire an analogy that is not mine. I got it from Professor Janet Kay at Upper Iowa University, and it's an example I have used many times. The analogy is about riding bikes. Some children learn to ride bikes early. They come by it naturally and are off with a shove. Claire was one of those. Others take longer. It's a struggle. Some kids are riding a bike without training wheels at three years old. Others might not learn until eight or nine. The average age is probably five or six. The point Janet Kay was making, and the point I was reiterating with my daughter, is that it doesn't matter when we learn to ride a bike. If the goal is to ride a bike, all that matters is that we learn to ride the bike. How long it takes is irrelevant. As Claire calmed down, we talked about how quickly she had learned to ride a bike. My eight-year-old son, Mickey, was sitting with us, and he superbly played the role of the big brother, offering up a chuckle and a self-deprecating comment about how much harder it was for him to learn to ride his bike. I told Claire it doesn't matter how long it takes to learn something, so long as we learn it. 
I told Claire there will be things for which she'll have to work, and that's good. If she wants something, she just has to keep working. Claire felt better. She smiled and we finished her homework. A bit later, we were tidying up around the house. Mickey and Claire were in the basement picking up toys and I was in the kitchen doing some dishes when it all sort of hit me. I got choked up thinking about my little girl feeling embarrassed in class when she confuses a B with a D. That's pretty typical for me. During an emergency or a period of stress, I tend to stay calm. I can usually come up with something to say. I naturally jump into action. Then, in some quiet moment, the emotion of the situation catches up with me. I was sad to think of my daughter feeling any less than the beautiful, intelligent, creative, funny, and kind person she is. It occurred to me that Claire, like all of us, had fallen victim to comparison. We all do it. We all compare ourselves to others, and that can be negative. We convince ourselves we have it so bad and others have it so good. We're sure the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, and we're constantly trying to keep up with the Joneses. People have always been this way. Regardless of religious views, I imagine that's why the last of the Christian Ten Commandments is focused on being covetous. It's easy for us to make such comparisons, and in today's society, it's easier than ever before. It's built into us. When we were young, we learned by watching those around us. We learned to walk and talk through observation, but we also learned how to behave. Sometimes that's a good thing. We learn what's socially acceptable. We learn to meet high expectations. We learn the inner workings of and contribute to a positive culture. Of course, it's often easier to make a negative comparison. Today we're faced with so many images with which we can compare ourselves. For years we've had the advertisements and movies and music that show us how to look, how to act, how to feel, and how to be. Today we're faced with that and exponentially more. Now it's social media posts that let us see that guy from the office we're pretty sure we work harder than driving a new car. It's an ex-girlfriend posting pictures with her new man. It's an endless stream of hand-selected, thoughtfully staged photos that make us believe everyone around us is living the good life we haven't quite attained. Those images don't represent the full picture, of course. And I bet Claire isn't the only student in her class who confuses B and D. But that's the way she felt. That is her perception, and our perceptions are our realities. The trouble is, our perceptions can work against us. We're constantly comparing ourselves and our lives to the mental blueprints we've constructed for both. And when our realities differ greatly from those constructs, we become sad or angry or depressed. We give up on a relationship because we compare it to its earliest days when everything was fresh and new and exhilarating. We become disillusioned with our job because it's not the opportunity or the purpose 
we thought it had been on its on our first day. We look in the mirror and we see a physique that differs from the one we'd like to have. We become resentful when we see the house and the car and the vacation and the life we don't lead. We look at our own behaviors and wish they were different than they are. We recall our past dreams and realize they didn't come true. I hope my children never have to look back at their lives with any sense of regret, but they probably will. Life doesn't follow a plan, and sometimes we have to change our blueprints. In that respect, comparison can be useful. We have to look at where we're at and where we want to be. That is the only comparison that matters. We should be honest about the things we'd like to change in our lives and the things we'd like to change about ourselves. But our own goals should be the focus. That was the problem in Claire's situation. She struggles to easily identify B's and D's. She wants to be able to read more fluently, and I want that for her too. That's the goal, and she hasn't reached it yet. So, we have to work. We have to keep practicing. That's not a problem. There isn't anything discouraging about that. The negative feelings arise only when we start to compare ourselves to others. Claire's been working diligently on reading for most of her young life. And she never felt bad about it until she started to feel like it was something that made her different from her peers. She was never discouraged until she started to compare herself to others. That's the trap we fall into. When we're young, we learn and grow for the sake of it, for the sheer joy of learning. We chase dreams because there is something inside us that naturally strokes the fire of childhood whimsy. We walk our own paths because we are less compelled to fit the constructs of others. Most learning exists on a bell curve. The example of riding a bike is no different. There are a few outliers who learn to ride their bikes at three, and there are a few outliers who learn to ride their bikes at eight. Most people fall somewhere in the middle. The thing is, if we're not worried about when other kids are learning to ride their bikes, it doesn't matter how long it takes us to ride ours. That changes as we get older. Fitting in becomes important. Standing out comes with consequences. We start to gear our actions toward the norm, or we settle for our place on the bell curve, convinced it is our predestined lot in life. That's the real danger of comparison. We convince ourselves we have to fit an established norm, or we're certain we can't change our current status. Either belief suffocates the potential for real growth, and that concerns me. That's why I work to expose my children to a wide variety of things. We dive into art and music, history and literature, science, comedy, film, athletics and construction. We go to comic book conventions and renaissance fairs. We've been to a strongman show and a pirate festival. I want Mickey and Claire to understand there's a big world out there, and they have all the say in the dreams they want to pursue. That's also why I work to empower them. 
They're already full of strength and magic and wonder and goodness. All children are. It's my job to protect those things and help them grow. I want Mickey and Claire to be strong enough to stand against the constant barrage of images and messages that fill their lives. I want them to understand they are enough. But I also want them to know they can be more. They can change their situations. They can learn and grow. They can accomplish anything they want. So when Claire gets upset because she feels like she's the only kid in class who hasn't figured out her B's and D's, I tell her how wonderful and powerful she is. I work to build her up, but I also reiterate the goal. I don't shy away from the fact that she does struggle, and I don't give her permission to give up. As an educator, I have seen far too many young people crumble at the hands of comfort. I don't make it okay for Claire to stay where she is, but I do make it okay to fail. I don't put pressure on the timeline. I focus on the destination and how to reach it. That's the only comparison that matters. We don't have to adhere to an established expectation, and we don't have to be satisfied with where we are. We can cut our own paths, and there is no limit to our potential growth. We need only ask where we are and where we want to go, who we are and who we want to be. When we do that, we stop focusing on when one should learn to ride a bike, and we start focusing on riding the bike. Thank you.